Hey everyone, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I'm Timothy Styles, and with me is my professional wrestling and professional wrestling trainer, best friend in the whole world, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. That is I, sir. Hello. Hey, you know, I uh, I said best friend in the whole world. It's not really true. Oh, man, come but on. But you're in the top three. I'll take it? top three. Yeah, top three yeah, is man. great. But I tried to do like what every professional wrestling organization does. They're not just friends. That's her best friend in the whole world. I can't believe she turned on it. You know, accountability buddies. It's so ridiculous that every friendship is best friend yeah. in the whole world, in the world of pro wrestling. There's no like, well, they're mild acquaintances. I can't believe they wrestler A turned on wrestler B. They tolerate each other for short periods of time. <laughs> That's right. So unrealistic <laughs> that every person, if they're friends, they're best friends. Of course. By the way, very junior high-ish. Hey, this is my best friend. I'm sure Bailey and Sasha Banks actually have like the little tiny friendship bracelets. Well, I mean, what does that signify? I could use a friendship. I'd wear a friendship bracelet with you now. Hell buddy, yeah. Yeah, buddy bands. Yeah, man. So anyway, folks, if you're uh, new to the show, every week, Cutthroat Cody and myself get together and talk the biz, man, uh, with no real direction other than we name it after a professional wrestler of interest. This week is Austin Idol, and we generally talk, uh, we ask each other questions <coughs> possibly related to that person. I do believe there might be some Memphis talk later on. Memphis. <laughs> And that's the show. And if you'd like to support the show at this point, a good way to do so would be to follow us on Instagram. We're trying to build that brand, son. Yes, sir. You can follow us on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie and Cody at Cutthroat Cody. And that's it. Let's boogie. Hey, I wanted to start this week's show by giving a book report. A book report. Yeah, because, you know, I uh, read a lot of uh, wrestling-based books, and even better, because of my uh, shoot job, kayfabe brother brother. Yeah, man. Uh, I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and things of that nature. So it's like I'm absorbing wrestling Damn near half of my day. Yeah. Uh, so. The Jim Cornette wormholes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still frequently go on those because, you know, whatever you got to say about Jim Cornette, he and he's wrong about a lot of things. And he's he he's uh, this guy is at an age where he doesn't mind burning bridges. He doesn't give a fuck. But these are the good qualities that made him such a good manager when he was active. And I don't necessarily – I think that he's a right I, – I agree with him on a lot of stuff. Now, granted – we uh, I would say we probably agree with him on the fundamentals of the industry. Yes. We appreciate his uh, accomplishments and uh, his uh, – the things that he's brought to the world of professional wrestling. On his take of modern-day wrestling – 
in a large sense, we probably agree about a lot of stuff, but we probably disagree with the with the delivery. Yes, because a lot of it is unfair. Yes, you know, we live in a postmodern wrestling world. You know where, and I use postmodern in the Chuck Klosterman sense. By the way, I, I could tell you're glazing over at that name. <coughs> Read some books, folks. Uh, postmodern, according to Chuck Klosterman, would be art that realizes that it's art. Chuck and Klosterman, wasn't he the author for Fight Club? No. No, that was... Wasn't that another Chuck? Uh, Chuck Klosterman was a a, a pretty decent uh, author who did Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. Okay, there you go. Fargo, Rock City, a, a whole slew of uh, great books and audio books, by the way. He's got a, a, a interesting enough um, a speaking voice. But art that realizes that it's art, and we are in a, a postmodern professional wrestling age where this shit realizes what it is. Yes. And it's for this, better or worse. Yeah, for better <laughs> or for worse. And you know, I think even Cornette has mentioned that, you know, what he loved about wrestling is all all of that shit is dead. And he can't really fathom why people today would be interested in it. Because the uh, to use one of his terms, the toothpaste is out of the tube and you can't get it back in. No. So why do people care? He can't understand it because he doesn't care. And now he makes a mild living. Actually, I'm sure a pretty Complete good living. living. Yeah, no, like he, like he, he probably makes at least, at least multiple three figures every year just on YouTube ads. Yeah, um, and who knows what other income he has? Uh, but you know, say what you want about the guy; he's right about a lot of stuff. He's just an asshole. Yeah, but I'm of the understanding that it's those assholeish qualities that made him such a great performer. Yes. Yes, I can agree with that for sure. I mean, even go and look when he was doing the uh, work shoot promos on Raw, when he was like taking the piss out of Hulk Hogan and calling him a garbage bag of human being, like right. on which at that point in time was cutting edge. Where now, you know, it's well past <laughs> commonplace. Oh, absolutely, and it's something that I really feel. I still listen to his stuff because even despite the fact that he was never a really, he wasn't an in-ring competitor, right? Oh, he's had matches. He's had matches, but he was never professionally trained as a wrestler, but he understands how to build matches better than I would say 90% of the roster in most major companies today. Well, bro, he was an agent for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, the guy probably knows a thing or two about a thing or two without ever having to get in the ring and, you know, put on a five-star classic. Yes, sir. You know, so say what you will. I still go down those rabbit holes, but I take his his modern-day criticisms almost with a grain of salt, with the understanding of, yeah, he's probably right, but that's the world we live in. It is, and there's not much that can be done to change it, unfortunately. Yeah, unless... <laughs> Unless you're a person who's sitting on half a billion dollars, who's going to go, I'm going to start my own promotion and I'm going to do it the old school way. Right. You know, one of his big contentions is with Tony Khan that, oh, this guy has a bunch of money and this will be very exciting to have a competitor with the WWE. And then, of course, he was very upset with the fact that 
he brought in the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega to be sort of his his partners on the deal because yep. he knew exactly what you're going to get out of that. Now, to a certain extent, he's right, but what are we supposed to do? Hire Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff again? Right. You know that I see it would seem would be a worse endeavor at at that at this particular point. For me, I think that um, <clears throat> something that is just kind of happening in the landscape of wrestling is that <clears throat> match layouts are not the same. Uh, there is more of an emphasis on the, and it's it, we talked about before. It's very lucha centric, and the junior the, heavyweight. Style of wrestling. I can't call it junior heavyweight style wrestling because when we talk about junior heavyweights, I'm talking about like Dynamite Kid, right? But right. when I'm talking about Lucha, like because there's a big difference in my eyes between junior heavyweight and Lucha. Lucha, unfortunately, is a you have to be an Olympic level gymnast sure. in order to and, be pulling most of this stuff off. And oftentimes you really do need to be, you know, a lot of people, they go like, uh, I don't know, someone like a Randy Orton, Randy Orton sucks because all these people are flip flopping, flying around him. And it's mm -hmm. like, look, Randy Orton's a super talented guy, but yes. he's probably 235 pounds or more. Uh, the idea that he would be able to do a back handspring and and you know somersault out of you know <laughs> out of the ring would be stupid. You know, it's the reason why <clears throat> if the Undertaker is put in a suplex, it's a big deal because yeah. that's a lot of weight to be throwing around. Absolutely. And there's something lost as you're watching it. You just think like, well, these big guys, why why can't they do that? Well. They just well, can It's a and, lot of weight. And also, I mean, a lot of it comes down to choice as well, because once again, you know, the the one thing that's been happening and AEW has been like putting copyright claims on pages like Botchamania and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's no different than when CZW, uh, because there was a period of time where Botchamania just did strictly CZW episodes and they'd be 20 minutes long each. And then, well, people had a problem with that. Right. But here's the reality is, is that, that that's, it's, it's exposing a nerve, right. That, you know, people are really sensitive when it gets touched. And the, uh, I watched two of the, um, botch reels, and the second one specifically, they set it to like some really are we somber talking about, music. Oh no, this is not botchamania. This is called AEW botches. Yeah, this is a Twitter account run yes. by some some young dude who is uh, probably in his senior year of college or graduating uh, soon. Um, who this guy is a a look. Jim Cornette can say whatever it is that he wants. He's earned the right. He's a historian of yep. the industry, and his opinions are valid. They may not be polite right. or, or sensitive, but he can say whatever it is that he wants to say. And then hopefully there are more educated people out there who decide to cherry pick what things to, uh, as far as the, come out of his mouth, to be passionate about. This fucking asshole is just a dick. I don't know if I agree with that because the reason that I'm going to tell you is, is because, and I'm glad that the video, the second video that he did, he apparently is going to do seven videos. Mm -hmm. The second video that he did, um, 
showed a lot of really, really, really bad sure. neck drops. Right. And he set it to somber music. And I'm glad that he did because the point that I think that needs to be taken is, is that there, there is a level of injury that is happening now that is unprecedented in the industry. Well, you say you're glad that he did. Yep. Do you think that this guy is going to influence any real change? I don't think so because right. I, and that's the problem. But but at the same time, that's not a problem with him. That's a problem with the industry in a whole. Well, yeah. So a- absolutely. Well, look. It, sorry to cut you off. You're but, okay. Because I want to finish my thought. This guy is a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I'm not even a huge AEW fan, but to create a Twitter account that specifically targets a promotion for the because you're soup uh, a super fan of Jim Cornette and yep. you worship him so much that you repeat all his uh, his stupid shit, you know all the names that he calls all these you know Kenny Olivier and things yep. of this nature. It, you're you're not even creative. He's a dude who's taking clips of botches. All right, no big deal, but he's just pointing out one promotion. By the way, there's fucking botches all over the industry. There are. Uh, including WWE. Of course. And that's why episodes of Botch Mania are like 25 minutes long. Right. And it, and putting them in slow-mo. And most of the time, not even most of the time, half of the time, they're not even botches. That's shit like people one guy giving the other guy the iggy like oh look at right. that they did it full view of everyone it's like dude yeah who gives a fuck if i wanted to i can go back to any promotion in history and find the little things yeah you know what i mean it's just such low-hanging fruit and you're not helping anything and he's he's so self-righteous yeah. that it's like fuck this guy and of well course, i'm a not lot of people- i'm not following the twitter account so the right. only thing that I'm watching is the videos. Right. But yeah. It, it, well, the so his account, apparently, you know, someone tries to break into it 20 times a day. Right. Because, you know, here's this company for better or for worse. They're doing the best that they can. Yeah. Uh, in their early years. And there's this guy who's essentially trying to uh, take them down. And yeah. it's. It's like, dude, fuck well, you. And I don't necessarily, for me, I'm viewing it from a different end because there's a, and I'm not going to name the person specifically, mm-hmm. but in these videos, <clears throat> there's one guy that is consistently sloppily. Oh, I'll say it. Yeah. Jack Evans. No. Oh, shit. <laughs> no. No. J- Jack <laughs> Evans is doing stuff and not even hurting somebody else no. when jack when jack <laughs> evans does something it's more of like a banana pill slip yeah uh, there's another person though who oh, is luchasaurus yeah and here's my thing i'm not trying to look we're not trying yeah. to burn bridges here Just and we're not and, and we're not trying to but but I, I we are all varying shades of green i have a problem yes with people Sloppiness. that do not hold themselves accountable and they think that they can do things that they can't do. And then the end result is hurting somebody else. That That's a problem for me. You have a responsibility. Yes. In between the ropes. Yes. And that is to take care of the other person. And if you're just sloppily dropping people in bad ways. Yes. Whew, 
Boy, I mean, you need to go to finishing school, unfortunately. Right. And but now and once again, we're living in a day and age where people have a huge issue with holding themselves accountable for their own actions. And even recently, and this person I will not name, sure. right, um, at the wrestling school who has a lot of potential um, collegiate background, yeah. very young, started getting really sloppy. I mean, like sloppy, sloppy yeah. to the point to where consistently in training, there was people that were getting hurt and I had to get really hard on him. Sure. And I, it resulted in a phone call after training the following day where we had a conversation and he said, well, I feel like you're singling me out. I am singling and, you out. And that is one of those things. And I'm so thankful for this person because the following weeks after that conversation, he really turned it around and he was able to hold himself accountable and he's had a string of really good days. And I hope that that continues, continues on. And that's where, you know, I understand taking the piss out of the company is not the best way to go about things. But at the same time, when there's people that are making more money than I am, and right. when there's people that have contracts and they can't even keep another person safe, right. you know, that that's egregious to me. Just an idol to talk to him uh, regarding this. I'm going to give you a word or two. I'm going to give you a lot more than that. Lola, you're nothing but a you better listen to me, Lala. You better listen damn good. I had you beat right in the middle of that ring, and everybody saw it, and look what you did to my neck! Look at my neck! You're nothing but scum! And I hate your filthy, stinking guts! I've headlined every major arena in the entire country! I've headlined the cow palace! I've headlined Madison Square Garden! I've headlined the Spectrum in Philadelphia! Darling, I've done it all! I am the king of the road! And you intentionally tried to disfigure me. I had the figure four locked in. I had it clamped down. And then I looked up and I saw that filthy, stinking look in your eyes of hatred when you threw that ball of fire. And luckily, I was quick enough to move out of the way. Otherwise, you'd have blinded me permanently. I knew you were going for my eyes, Lola. I knew you were going for my eyes. But unfortunately, you didn't get them, but you didn't get my neck. Yeah, you burnt my neck, Lolly. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts right now. I can feel the pain down into my guts, and it hurts, Lolly. And believe me, if you've ever believed anything in your sick life, you better believe this. That when I get a chance, and I don't care where it is, Lolly, believe me, I don't care where it is or how I have to do it. But believe me, I am going to take you out. And I just don't mean out of wrestling, Lola. I mean I am going to take you out. Believe me, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you good. I hate your filthy, stinking guts, your scum! Yeah, it, it, it is real egregious. And, you know, 
it's interesting, you know, Tony, Tony Khan is the, the person in charge there, but he has a series of executive vice presidents who help select that cast. Yeah. My only hope is as they continue to recruit to fill out their roster with more qualified individuals that they then, uh, trim the fat of the people who really obviously shouldn't be there and yes. and shouldn't have been there from the start. I have not seen that yet. I've seen they've constantly been getting new people. Yes. Uh, to the point of where I mean they have uh, I don't think their their roster is as big as the WWE's collectively, but good grief, they got more than what they need. And I appreciate the fact that they're giving a lot of people opportunities and things like that, man. Like sure. and I think that just at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> we prioritize uh, the comfort of others uh, when it comes to criticism. Right. And I think that that is the reason that we're in the situation that we're in now. Right. And to me, it's unacceptable. And I understand that it can't change. But uh, to the point of there's even been people that I have known personally that have had opportunities in major companies that they weren't at fault Mm. when somebody else did something wrong, but they were the ones that were put blame upon. Right. And it's, it's a shame because the hierarchy um, system now kind of seems to be changing into the buddy system. Right. And it was like, Oh, well your buddy hurt me. Oh, well, no, it was probably you, not my buddy, because that's my buddy. And that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's something that needs to be like stomped out, like and washed dry. I'm not sure what you mean, actually. So hierarchy back in the day with pro wrestling was I've been doing this for 20 years and you have to get my bags out of the car because you've only been doing this for six months. Sure. Okay. Now it's the buddy system of, oh, well, this is my friend. My friend's a wrestler. You're a new wrestler. You come and wrestle my friend. My friend isn't good, but I'm going to take the side of my friend when something goes wrong. Sure. Because that's my friend and I'm not going to hold them accountable. I'm going to hold somebody else accountable, even though it wasn't that person. It was actually my friend. That is to me where things are kind of heading. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, it can be okay if that person wants to vouch for that person, right. Cause I'll hold you accountable too. Of oh, course. that's your friend. Why don't you teach him how to fucking give a back body drop without leaving his fist underneath my spine when we land? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to stick up for him, fine. I'll dig in your ass too. Yeah. And that's, but here's the thing though, is that these people are in positions of power. Sure. So you take a stand and you do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. You stand up for yourself and you vocalize, Hey man, this is not okay. What happened to me? And then who still has a job and who doesn't get to be brought back? Right. You, that's, that's why the buddy system to me is going to end up eating itself just as much as the old school vet hierarchy. Like it's, it's a, it's a shift in control mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily know if it's the best shift. Yeah. So though, over the past few days, I had been listening to, uh, an audiobook that I had, uh, listened to before, uh, entitled, yes, uh, Daniel Bryan's, autobiography no one can see this but i'm doing the finger point and raising yeah. my hands um 
Look, I uh, loved early Ring of Honor. I loved uh, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And I thought his run in WWE was mostly fun during a very shitty time in pro wrestling on WWE, I would say. So anyway, I was bored recently and I was like, what? Because normally when I uh, listen to books at work, I try to absorb a lot of uh, classic fiction. But recently I listened to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and I started to fall asleep. Oh, no. (laughs) You got to drink a little bit of caffeine before you do that one. Oh, God, it is the worst, man. Fucking (laughs) it's just a series of letters from Dr. Frankenstein to his mom with really Shakespearean verbiage. It's like, oh, boy. I remember that was one of the first books that I ever took home from the library. And Library. It, yeah, it was <laughs> so over my fucking head. Mm. So over my head. I yeah. yeah. But uh so I was like, you know, and I'm gonna listen to the the Daniel Bryan book again for the first time in what probably since it came out, which it came out right after his big win at WrestleMania what was, was it thirty? I think so. Yeah. So here we are, seven years later. And uh, you know, I like to do this with wrestling books because as time go on, time goes on. You you tend to become more familiar with certain characters, and then you go back and experience these books again. You go, oh, that's right. That that person is you know a person of interest. Now. Sometimes it's easier to connect the dots, right? In retrospect, yeah, absolutely. And I said I was going to give a book report. I'm not really giving a, a book report. I'll say a, a couple things. First and foremost, this particular audio book, uh, I'll say. <laughs> Uh, it's really, it's the tale of two books because one half of it was clearly written by Daniel Bryan with maybe the assistance of a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and on, on the audiobook, he's reading that particular section of the book. The other half of the book was clearly written by the WWE's creative team. Oh, perfect. Uh, and is <clears throat> read by a professional... Um, uh, audiobook reader. Oh, no. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of listening to these guys, but it's hit or miss. Sometimes they're, they, they speak and you go, oh, this is nice. And sometimes they speak and you go, what the fuck is going on? Anyway, this particular audiobook is a what the fuck is going on. Yep. Because his voice is very, like, <laughs> especially because he's reading all this WWE verbiage mm-hmm. written by the WWE creative team. Where it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like Daniel Bryan and Brie Beller walking the purple carpet at WrestleMania. I can't 30. do this. And it uh, it yeah, is. It, I can't do this. It is tough to listen to. Braniel are going out and having a vegan meal at some fucking bamboo hut. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, please don't. Who fucking wrote this shit? I'd like to smack him. And it's a shame. Um, to where I think that uh, sometimes when you're a yes man, the disadvantage, go back and look at the CM Punk uh, self-release DVD. And he is like, yeah, you're not touching. WWE release. Yeah, WWE. Well, and, but he he made sure he had complete control. Don't fool yourself. Yeah. It, it, that, that's still a WWE create. It, Just because he was. was able to get a, what a Lars or whoever it was from Rancid and, and get Col- Colt Cabana in there and other than that, they would have probably done the exact same thing. Right. I 
because apparently he had gone on record to say that he made sure that he had more control of the release of that DVD. Sure. And well, he didn't want, look, he's someone who actually cared about his own product. Yes. I'll say this, Daniel Bryan, great wrestler. And this is part of the book really, whoops, I'm kicking my mic really unambitious. Yeah. And doesn't care about anything other than in ring grappling. Yep. So yeah. You want to make a book? Sure. Whatever you want. And likes Christmas music year round. Oh, just like Mick Foley, huh? Yes, sir. Weird. I mean, I like Christmas music year round, but I relegate myself to just uh, later November, December, <laughs> because then it's not special if you spoil it all year. But um, <laughs> CM Punk, one of his biggest problems is that he cared way too much. Yeah. Especially from, you know, he's a, unfortunately, a pawn on the chessboard that Vince McMahon gets to play with. Yeah. And uh, when you care too much, you oftentimes question your moves and then eventually you become miserable. And man, I've been, I've been listening to old uh, art of wrestling podcasts as well. Cause they're back uh, yeah. in, on uh, your various podcast platforms for free again. Um, he was a uh, episode two. He was a miserable guy. He spends the entire episode talking about how much he hates being bothered by people. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, it, 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 there's good and bad that comes with it. Yeah. You get a good quality, uh, DVD documentary. Uh, the, the bad part is you're constantly miserable because dumb fucking people are telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a hard uphill battle to, to fight when you're not the one moving the chess pieces around. You're just a pawn. Right. But uh, Daniel Bryan, the other half of this book, the half that he reads about his actual um, growing up, being in Ring of Honor, going to England, going and wrestling in Japan, all the thing. And him, you know, first of all, here's something that stands out about the book is I love his story of him trying to get into wrestling, something that you can sympathize with. Are you familiar with it at all? I'm not. Really? You're not no. at all? Okay, I'll tell you. I know <clears throat> they had health issues growing up. Uh, he did, yeah. Um, uh, he has some sort of weird autoimmune problem, which caused him to have a series of things. You know, he was... A, ve a, a, a vegan, then he had to start eating meat because he grew an intolerance right, to so, soy. So, yep. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, so it, when he was 16, he made the decision. He was going to be a professional wrestler. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And as luck would have it, he saw an advertisement uh, for his favorite wrestler at the time. Uh, Dean Malenko had a wrestling school. So that's didn't a, he give okay keep going thank you yeah sorry uh so that's a win win obviously yep. so uh he contacts him and uh, apparently it's going to cost twenty five hundred dollars which is a pretty large chunk of money for a teenager yes uh, but there's a five hundred dollar deposit required to reserve your spot so he saves for the summer and uh. Around the time he's about to turn 17, he mails 
in uh, $700, or I'm sorry, $500, to reserve his spot for when he graduates, he's going to go to the Dean Malenko School of Wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, Right before he's set to graduate, uh, he gets a message from the school saying, sorry, uh, we're out of business. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And uh, to which he goes, okay, can I get my money back? And they're like, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Which we know the answer to that. Goddamn carnies. Oh, of course. They're not giving any money back. They don't have any money. No. You're looking at the blood-stained shirt of the Universal Heartthrob Austin Idol. It's laying on the ground of Heisler's Country Store USA, just about a mile down the road from the TV station where we tape Southeastern Championship Wrestling each and every week. Seen last week of an alleged unprovoked attack on Austin Idol by the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller by Jimmy Golden while Austin was here at the store and while we were actually in the midst of taping TV wrestling waiting on his arrival for the television main event. And I know that it's difficult for you just to be here and to, to, to relive what actually happened, but I know for the, for the thousands of people at home that, that were waiting for you last week, they, uh, they'd certainly like to know. Well, Rick, uh, it, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. This is not really as hard to talk about as you might think because it's, it's etched in my mind like the, a gigantic crack in the ground that would be left by an earthquake, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. It was on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, I was scheduled to wrestle uh, for a southern southeastern title match on television against Jimmy Golden, as you well know. Uh, I'd gotten up in the morning. I prepared myself mentally. I was already physically prepared the best I possibly could. Uh, I had my bags packed. I went to get in my car, of course, to make my way down to the television station. As I got in my car, ironically, it wouldn't start. So, of course, I'm not Mr. Goodwrench, I'm not a mechanic. I tried to start the car over and over and again, and I finally went ahead and popped the hood. And when I popped the hood, I did notice that the coil wire on my car had been removed. So, luckily, I called a friend of mine. It took him about 45 minutes to round up a coil wire. He brought it over, and we got the car cranked up. Coming down toward the station, my car started to overheat now. Kind of coincidental, too. So I pulled into this convenience store here, Heisler's uh, Country Store here, USA. I pulled in, I popped the hood, I checked my oil, my oil was about a quart low. I went in to the store and I purchased a quart of oil, signed a couple autographs, talked to these people here. As I came out, Rick, uh, I just put a quart of oil in my car, here comes a van that speeded up and just slammed on the brakes right here in the parking lot. Ron Fuller jumped out. When he jumped out, of course, he was naming a few names that I can't say here on television, and uh, right in my face. And to tell you the truth, Rick, I thought right then and there, I was about ready to punch his lights out. And before anything happened that I can remember, I got hit from behind, who from all these people who saw this and other people, was Jimmy Golden. They knocked me down. They beat me up real good, Rick, as you can take a look. I'm not proud of this, but take a good look at the face right here. They beat me up, and they left me laying like a piece of dirt right here in the parking lot. And that's exactly what happened. And there's an old saying, Rick, and it's said by the man above, and it goes like this, that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, or revenge will be mine, saith Austin Idol. And this is Austin's army you're looking at right here. Well, one thing's for sure, uh, when Austin Idol speaks, a lot of people need to listen. This is Rick Stewart for a more personality profile coming up. So he, for, you know, a 17-year-old to be out 500 bucks is pretty huge. Big deal. Especially because probably back then minimum wage was four twenty five. That's yep. what I made in high school. Oh yeah. So uh, he's he's looking for other stuff, and he ends up 
uh, seeing an advertisement for Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. So, uh, and there, the advertisement was to call a 900 number. I don't know if you're familiar with 900 numbers. Not free, not cheap. No, not at all. You know. So he's on there. and uh, 3.99 a minute. Yeah, exactly. And the, the call goes. After a five-minute intro. Yeah, the call goes for a while. And then eventually he gets something in the mail. And it's to, you have to send in a $20 bill. Uh, I mean, this is like right out of, right out of uh, all these uh evangelical preachers yes. you know send me twenty dollars and i'll send you my pamphlet but he gets a pamphlet and it's basically a request to send in twenty dollars he sends in twenty dollars he gets uh, another thing saying to call this 900 number again a different one <laughs> to see if he's still interested he does that there's another uh a thing that he has to mail in probably with more money and then he ends up finding out that that uh that to go to Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy, it's going to be $3,900. Perfect. Uh, with another su- substantial deposit. And he was foolish enough. Uh, I guess in his case, it wasn't foolish, but all the other people who fucking stuck it out uh, were foolish. Uh, but he saves his money and he sends it in and and then off he goes. And it's so funny, you know, You, th- I think back to all the other books and all the other podcasts and interviews and, and shoot stuff and things that I've seen about people trying to get into the industry. And it's like, I'm not the biggest Shawn Michaels fan, but the idea that he fucking, him and, <laughs> that he continued this tradition of, hey, let's try to weed out people uh, and uh, by abusing their passion yeah. is ridiculous and and unfortunately that's in that is kind of changing i would say kind of it definitely is changing because if you go to any wrestling school and go how much does it cost to be here they'll go oh fucking they'll your if your money is green they'll damn near take you whether they think you can compete or not and then they'll just try to weed you out yeah but i mean we uh We've talked in the past about my attempting to go to a wrestling school and talking to an idiot by the name of Buffalo Jim. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) You big dumb idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And him essentially, I don't think he was trying to talk me out of it, but I do believe he was a carny piece of trash. Oh, absolutely. And half an idiot who had a really terrible sales pitch and basically uh, helped in talking me out of it. Uh, uh, it's it's crazy to sh- see shit like that go on. The fact that he had to make all these nine hundred number phone calls and send in money and all this kind of you got to jump through a lot of hoops. And you know, I, I I'll say this: it's better than the, you know the Hulk Hogan route, where it's like, oh, you want to be a wrestler? Yeah, come on in, do a seminar with us for the day, and then they break your ankle. Right. Which and it, it kind of it's kind of funny because there was that huge period of time when we're gonna beat you out. Mm-hmm. Then there was we're just gonna bleed you dry, yeah. And now it's uh, it's very different. It's if you have the money, you come in, and regardless or whether or not you're going to make it or not, and even schools don't even try to weed these people out anymore. You know, yeah. Because well, but they, they but if they turn out not be shit, they're not gonna book them at their their you know the schools associated federation. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they'll go, okay, you're officially trained. You can continue to, tra-. well, they'll never say that. They'll continue right. to, to, to train you, uh, until you go broke or disappear. And that's the one thing that I will say, uh, that I'm thankful for FSW because the students, once they get passed, they get used, you know, and but, oftentimes but, they get frustrated because it's multi-man matches and things of that nature, sure. but they're still being utilized. But should they be utilized if they, if they don't? If they don't got it, if let's say, no, it, let's say you're, 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 you still never saw the inside of a gym three years in yeah, and you, you're a pretty decent wrestler, but you got saggy tights and you're, you, you look, who's going to fucking pay to see this dump. Right. And that's something too, though, that, um, you know, the work that it takes, I guess, unless you want to be the guy that just gets beat, which is what the first five years of my wrestling career was. Right. And because I made excuses and I held on to crutches and, yeah, you oh, were, I've you got were, this. I've got yeah. overweight, balding, you know, yeah. all these sort of things. And then eventually you have to pull your own head out of your ass. And it's like, if you want to be there, you got to look like you belong there. Right. Well, at least if you want to exceed. Yeah. You can continue to be a fucking journeyman. Yeah. And uh, just get beat every time. But don't you want to make more money than what is relegated to that particular position? Or do you want to have a conversation with somebody and then you tell them, yeah, I'm a professional wrestler. And they actually look at you like, yeah, that, yeah, that it looks like you are. Yeah. It checks out. Yeah. Makes sense. So, which is something that I wish that I could get through people's skulls. You know, we have, um, the school will always go, go through periods where, we'll end up having a class one year of maybe two to three people that do really well. Mm-hmm. And then there's a stagnation period of where you have pretenders right. and they come in and then, you know, Jim Cornette would call them cosplayers, cosplayers. Yes. Yes. To That's be, a, to be fair to him, kind of accurate in a it, lot of cases. <laughs> oh, a, a thousand percent, you know, and like the amount of people, uh, a new trend that I've been seeing is that people are getting gear before they're even ready to actually work. Yikes. Like that one. Look, I, I understand if is... you get yourself some cheap knee pads, yeah. if you're like me and you're like, I want to protect my knees. No, you need, you. there's a difference between training gear, gear and gear. Yeah. Right. You need knee pads. Uh, you, I would recommend elbow pads. I wrestling shoes. You have to have proper ankle support. Right. But then like there's people that are completely jumping that boat and they're like, Oh no, I'm just ordering tights now. And it's like, yo man, like have you, do you have a gym membership? (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's another question. Um, do they come in? They've got their gear. Do they come in? Like I've got a gimmick already set up. Yes. I'm going to be, yes. uh, fucking, <laughs> I don't know. Killer Carl Johnson. It, it, my, my favorite, my favorite story was a dude named shadow. Ah! And <laughs> so this guy comes into the school and his first day, um, I, he's sitting in the bleachers and I asked him, I'm like, Hey, are you signed up? And he was like, yeah, I'm signed up, but I'm just going to watch this week because, you know, I don't have my training stuff. 
and I'm looking at him and he's wearing a pair of basketball shorts and he's got a sleeveless shirt on. He's wearing a chain necklace, you know, and like I look at his shoes and it's just like a pair of running shoes. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, That's good enough. Yeah. Well, no. Like, it's ankle, not good enough? No. Well, ankle, yeah, support. ankle support. But look, if you're yeah. training and it's like, all right, we're going to do some drills of uh, some mat based shit, you can yeah. fucking have your running shoes on. Well, you can have running shoes on, but I always As recommend. Bob Holly was stomping the shit out of and, Matt yeah. Capitelli in running shoes. I, I always tell people that they need wrestling shoes. I'm like, I that, that's a prerequisite. Like, you need proper ankle support. Um, Do wrestling shoes have ankle support? Yeah, they tie off right uh, at the ankle, and you can tie them pretty tight. Like, mm. that's what wrestling shoes are made for. Right. And also, they're very thin-soled. Right. Wrestling shoes are also great shoes to uh, squat and deadlift in as well, because they have a very thin sole. Hold on, let me get something to write with. Go yes. ahead. So... I plan on squatting and yeah. deadlifting. There we go. Well, Monday is a- I'm just kidding, by yeah. the way. I'm not, I don't lift anything that weighs more than a board game. There you, there you go. Well, <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. I just broke 275 on a squat. So well, well done. Yeah. It took a long time, but so this kid comes in. I'm like, okay, well, he's talking about, he doesn't have knee pads. He doesn't have wrestling shoes, things like that. I'm like, okay, I get it. No problem. The next week, this kid comes in and his name is Zach. Uh, okay. And I'm okay naming this dude. Like, he's still there. No, absolutely not. Okay. And his name is Zach. Maybe he's booked somewhere right now, brother. Absolutely brother. not. No, I, I, I actually. <laughs> he already had the I, gear. I know, I know where, I know where he is. Okay. Um, and he's not around mercifully. So he ends up showing up to the school wearing the exact same get up as last week with uh, the exception of one. Pads. No, one fingerless black glove what that was what he needed in order to get in the ring <clears throat> and then he introduced himself to people as shadow and he's like well my friends call me shadow sure. it's like okay zach um i'm not your friend and then i found out that his gamer tag was like based shadow off a of shadow no shadow the hedgehog oh. from fucking sonic the hedgehog so he's <laughs> He's one of those nerdy fucking kids and he's like wearing like sleeveless um, five finger death punch shirts mm -hmm. and shit like that. So this kid is just a maniac and he is like, well, you know, I want to be like a high flying powerhouse, you know, like Jeff Hardy and the Undertaker. And then he came to school one day and it was at combined. The, yes, it was at the peak <laughs> It was at the peak of the following, right? So I'm involved in Let's one of give the context. hottest. Yes. The following was a stable in Future Stars of Wrestling that was basically like Future Stars of Wrestling's version of the NWO. And Future Stars of Wrestling is a promotion here in Las Vegas, of which you are a trainer. Go yes. on. And he had an idea that he wanted to pitch to me where the lights went out and he laid out the entire following. And then after that, the lights were to come back on and then he would perceive proceed to give the members of the following a finishing move. Did he also say, and then the commentators will say that shadow. No shadow is here. There, yeah. <laughs> so, and these are the delusional people that I deal with on a fucking like, pretty regular basis right and you know i don't want to pop bust, yeah pop your balloon as far as your dream goes but yep bro i mean whoops god damn it all right i forgot the russo jar <laughs> Folks, so we're on. 50 cents up 
I think actually, you know what? Last week I actually said a B word. All right, folks, yeah. just to explain, uh, we have a rule here. Uh, it's uh, if you say bro, you got to drop a quarter into the Russo jar. 50 cents. 50 cents? It's 50 cents because last week you said bro. No. Well, here's the point. We caught one, uh, but we didn't catch another. Uh. I listened back to the episode and went, hey, I said another one and it just blew by everyone. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But I you- don't like saying the B word. It makes me sound <laughs> like Vince Russo. Hello, turnbuckle boogies. I'm walking up 6th Avenue in New York City. My name is James Mattern. My throat is shot from fucking allergies and from having to defend my dude, Jimmy fucking Ross. You know how that guy used to go on YouTubes and cry and be like, leave Britney alone? Leave fucking Jim Ross alone. He's done enough for us. He wants to call AEW WWE, he can fucking do it. If he wants to call it world-class championship wrestling, let him. He isn't making enough mistakes. Oh, he has to go. Who are they going to replace him with? One of the 13 guys that they fired at the WWE who you don't know any of their names because they're the same goddamn announcer. Jim Turks and Rich Keneally. None of them know him. No one's been worth the shit. Let Jim Ross call whoever he wants, the ultimate warrior. Let him tell you off-color things about Dick Murdoch and not understand why you're offended when he casually says, you know, he was in the Klan. Who kid? He's Jim fucking Ross. He lost his wife. He's medicating. The guy's probably drunker than a skunk. Let him have a good goddamn time. That's it. That's what you do. When you pay your dues as an announcer, you get to drink at the booth and make mistakes. Hello, Gordon Soley. Leave Jim Ross alone. He's done a fuck enough. What have any of you sons of bitches ever done? I'll talk to you later. Turnbuckle boogies. Oh, man. So it's it's just wild. You know, it's unfortunate, too, because I... I don't ever want to take anybody's hopes and aspirations away. But if you really want to be a wrestler, you have to learn how to be a wrestler before you become a wrestler. Yeah. You don't just get to show up and then do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be. Right. You know, like there is the, the training. How old was he? Because he, got- he was around my age now. Like, yeah. Yeah, so he w- no. he had to be. In well, his- he was on borrowed time then because yeah. you can't just start. I, he, he was starting at Diamond Dallas Pages. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You the- can't just bust into wrestling at thirty five and think, well, I can uh, squeeze an entire career. Like you're starting school at at thirty five, thirty six. Yep. Boy, oh boy. And there are some people that are able to do it if they have the right mindset and if they understand full well, like, hey. I need to be in the gym. Hey, I need to be paying attention to what I'm doing in the kitchen. Hey, I need to be at the wrestling school as often as I possibly can be. Right. Yeah. You know, like you can get a basics understanding in six months. You think it, a basics understanding for some people. Well, that's the point. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, like everything I used to be one of my first experiences in music for people who don't know. Uh, I am a musician in my spare time and have put out a bunch of records. But prior to being a, an actual instrumentalist, I started out in hip hop, and we had a little uh, hip hop group. Um, <laughs> but one of us, not me, by the way, uh, was what I call um, uh, rhythmly challenged. <laughs> rhythmly challenged, <laughs> like 
the that would be me and your hip hop group. The beat did not occur to this person, yep. so he had he would just throw words together, and it was like we all knew, even though he was like our good friend, like he he ain't he he doesn't have it genetically. There's something inside of this person that he just can't pick up on this one thing. We tried to help and help, and it never got any better. Uh, years before, well, actually around the same time when I was, so this is during a time when I was in the army, I was a paratrooper. And in order to be a paratrooper, you have to go to jump school where you learn to jump out of airplanes. And there's this, um, uh, I don't know. It's like a, a thing, like a rope swing where you swing from it and, let go and then land on the ground as if you were to land um, out of a plane. Correct. Because the reason why it's a swing is because you're going to be in motion laterally. You don't just drop straight down. Right. Because the wind carries the parachute in a direction. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to learn to land and fall in the direction that you were moving. Yes. And there were a lot of people who were on this fucking swing who would drop from the swing, land, just straight legged and then fall in the other direction, which is you would blow your fucking knees out. It's not even that it's that they just couldn't get it. They right. didn't have it. There is a certain genetic thing where people, they, you can't untrain them. You know, professional wrestling is you spend your entire life learning how to not run into sharp objects how to, not, <laughs> how to not fall over and crack your head. Yep. How to, you know, do how to not hurt yourself. Just by nature, you pick up on these things on how to protect yourself. And then in pro wrestling, you have to untrain all that stuff to attack the mat. Boom. You yep. know, hit and, it as hard as you possibly can because yep. for some reason hitting it harder hurts less. <laughs> 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 right. And you have to essentially you have to unlearn that stuff in order to hurt yourself yep um and some people just aren't going to be able to do it and it's, yeah. it's one of the big things is like the reason why kurt angle was such an anomaly is because most collegiate wrestlers they can't unlearn a lifetime yeah. of of protecting themselves you know what's funny to me when you bring that up and because there's i believe a common misconception that is held by people in the industry mm -hmm. that think that collegiate wrestling is the perfect base for professional wrestling, well, which I have found is the exact opposite because like you said, right. They're trained to not get hurt. Right. They're always hunched over. They can't put themselves on their shoulders if you wanted them to or not. You right. know, they, it's a hard thing to untrain. Now it is a hard thing to untrain. But the caveat of that is, is that the ones that are able to pick it up are able to blend their collegiate background with a pro wrestling background. Another good, there's two other good benefits. One, you have a basic idea of actual wrestling yes. holds, which is so important because look, let's face it. There's a lot of people who come in, like you say, wearing gear and going, I want to flip around. It's like, this motherfucker doesn't know what a headlock is. Oh yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that they come in as conditioned athletes. Yes. You know, who know how to cut weight and shit like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, that is not going to be an issue for them. They have the, an understanding what cult 
cut season and bulk season is for sure. Yeah, and uh, just that big hurdle is getting over the fact that you you essentially, you know, pro wrestling to a certain extent, you should be able to wrestle yourself. Yes. You know, you have to beat yourself up and it's the other person's you're you're handing your safety over to another person and hopefully that person's not Luchasaurus. Oh yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. And I I learned in reverse. So I learned um pro wrestling before I learned any collegiate wrestling and all the collegiate wrestling that I picked up was through pro wrestlers that were collegiate wrestlers. And that has helped me a lot. And uh, there's a, uh, there's like an hour and 30 minute video uh, from judo Jean LaBelle uh, that I, one of the bat, hold on, I'm going to drop an F bomb. Yeah. One of the baddest motherfuckers that's ever existed. Yes, sir. And this video is worth watching. And, uh, it's a bunch of different grappling techniques. And I, I brought that shit to the school and I'm like, yo man, like we're watching some of this shit from judo Jean LaBelle and we're going to try to find a way to use it in today's landscape. You would consider yourself lucky to even be mildly trained by judo Jean LaBelle. I mean, I think he was in, in fucking Ronda Rousey's corner. Yep. Uh, I think they brought him in to be you know, because he was also a stuntman. They brought him in to uh, be a stuntman with Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee kept pegging guys. Yep. And uh, Judo Jean LaBelle is uh, afraid of no one. No. And is a legit martial arts badass. Um, and, you know, that, that's the reason why the yes lock was the LaBelle lock initially because mm-hmm. it was a – Judo Jean LaBelle invented move. Yes. And he had a concept of body control, which I think is another thing too, is if you have a basic understanding of how your anatomy moves. That's what I was going to say. If you can understand the human anatomy, yes, knowing how far certain joints are able to move or rotator cuffs and things of that nature, you can invent or innovate a series of moves as opposed to, you know, when you see some moves and you go, who, who thought of this? Because it doesn't appear to hurt anything. Right. Or it just looks silly. You know, if you can, if you can understand the way certain body parts are meant to move, then you can understand how to manipulate those things to move in a way that they're not meant to to be manipulated and that translates to an audience. My favorite example of that. And it's a move that I do often, which is funny. The Russian leg sweep, right? Right. Is a move that it doesn't make much sense unless you have a follow up immediately thereafter. Yeah. So, and it, for oh, big time, it's right up there technically with the Spanish fly. And which who's, who's giving and who's receiving? Because right. I saw you guys start in the same position. I saw you guys end in the same position. What the fuck is the point of this? Momentum is a motherfucker on that one. Mm -hmm. I think it's the momentum that actually hurts on that one. What, the leg sweep? No, the Spanish fly. But if you follow up 
a um, Russian leg sweep immediately with a submission hold afterwards because the leg, the Russian leg sweep is a takedown. Right. And it's not a suplex though. It's a leg sweep. Right. And if you follow that up with like a grounded octopus or the, uh, my favorites, the Sakuraba special, which is a very complicated, it's almost like doing a full Nelson with your legs. Um, those are holds that I find are very practical out of the Russian leg sweep. Um, and I love that, that judo, the judo Jean LaBelle stuff was definitely worth watching. Um, another purveyor of the fine grappling arts is Tyson Dukes. Um, Tyson Dukes is killing it with his YouTube channel right now. And he is putting out some, this is Tyson kid. Uh, Tyson Dukes was Tyson kid and Tyson Dukes are two different people, but they're both Canadian. Um, Tyson Dukes was a journeyman wrestler who never really achieved a very high status, Mm -hmm. but is technically like an amazing professional wrestler. He's a good worker. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he is like really good. That's my F bomb. I would recommend looking up his YouTube channel for young grapplers in the game. Right. Good stuff. Okay. Let's lay the cards out on the table right now. Jerry Lawler, you're not man enough to do it. I mean, you wear a dress one week, you steal my pants the next. That's not a man who is capable of taking a Southern Heavyweight Championship from the Universal Heartthrob. But you got the title match. And this Monday night, not only is Austin going to walk away with the belt, but we're going to show everybody in Memphis that you're just not man enough to get the job done. Isn't that right, I want to make sure that, Lawler, you understand that I'm deadly serious, Jack. You can look at any major wrestling publication in the United States. Any city, you name it. Baltimore, Atlanta, Philadelphia, right here in Memphis, Jack. You name it. And they all say the same thing. Always the same headlines. When will the feud between Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler end? And I've got the answer, Jack. It's going to end right here in the wrestling ring. I made a vow for 1987. And I don't make vows. I can't back up. I told you I'd cut your hair. I told you I'd beat you in the cage. I put up 50,000 bucks of my own money. And I backed it up, Jack. I'm making another vow. I said it before. I'll say it again. I said I was going to take you out in 87. And I'm going to take you out. Oh, yeah. But you're thinking something different, Lola. You're thinking, oh, what's he talking about? What's, what's I don't think? Is he going to try to break my leg? Is he going to try to break my arm? Maybe the neck. Oh, no, Lawler. See, I won't be satisfied, Jack. And I've got a hunger for satisfaction, man. That ain't can't be denied. It's not going to be until you can't enter a wrestling ring again. It's going to be <laughs> where you don't see daylight again, Lawler. Because you see the out I'm talking about. It's the out. That's about deep six, Jack. I'm talking about out. O-U-T, out. Because you see, Monday night, it's not for the Southern title. Oh, yeah. It's for more than that, Lawler. It's for life and death. And I'm going to be the judge. And I'm going to be the jury. And I'm going to hand out the verdict now. And I find you guilty. And I sentence you to death Monday night. Because you see, just when a volcano erupts, and you see the volcanic, the molten lava drift down the side of the volcano, I'm just like that lava. I'm red hot. And I'm out of control. And Monday night, you're going to find out what I'm talking about. You're going out. We're running out of time, and uh, I made a couple of promises that uh, there may be some Memphis wrestling talk, and we have yet to to chip in that particular direction. Uh, Because we had planned 
you know, I asked you every week, I say, hey, uh, who, what should this week's episode be uh, named? And you said, uh, well, <laughs> you sent me a video and said, uh, of an episode of Memphis Wrestling. You said, I want to talk Memphis Wrestling. Yeah. And I said, well, what should we name it? And you said, Hacksaw Jim Dun- Or no, not, not Hacksaw. You said, uh, Hillbilly Jim. I, I was like, wasn't he Harley I Davidson? I, in, yeah, I don't think in, I said Hillbilly Jim. He was just in the video clip. Like, he was just yes, in the thumbnail. He was, yeah. but as Harley Davidson. Yeah. Because that's what he was known as during that time. A very... Um, Homoerotic isn't the word. Just flat out gay. He looks like one of the mission, <laughs> one of the village people. Yes, yes. <laughs> With the hat and the chaps, the whole deal. Uh, <laughs> the, the reason I wanted to talk about Memphis wrestling mm-hmm. is because it was a style, and it was a smash mouth style. Oh um, man, anything went. In, yes, uh, I mean Jerry Lawler, who uh, stole from the Sheik. Throwing fire. It does not make sense that a guy whose gimmick is he's the king should be throwing fire. Yes. But this motherfucker did it all the time. Absolutely. And I think that as far as Lawler goes, like what was so exciting about Memphis wrestling wasn't just like they were just fights, but the layout of their show, Mm -hmm. um, the, interview segments before and after matches the segments where like there would be a wrestler that had a problem with another wrestler and then all of a sudden three other wrestlers came out and just started beating them up right the complicated finishes um that were just they were so intricate when it not to not move wise but just placement wise and the things that were happening um jerry lawler getting passed off chains you know, and then sometimes pretending he had a chain when he didn't even have a chain. Right. And even going past that, even though Eddie Gilbert literally took everything from Lawler. Right. Eddie Gilbert, if you go back and watch Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert as a heel, I should say. One of the best. Uh, if you were a fan of Eddie Guerrero's light cheat still stuff. Yeah. He got a lot of that shit from A.A. Gilbert in some of these things that he was doing. <laughs> I just love him strutting out to Hot stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was his theme music. And, you know, the involvement with Jimmy Hart. A disco Hart. song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it was very similar. The style was very similar to, um, I would say, WCWC or WCCW, World Class Championship Wrestling. Sure. And it, it's just a very hard hitting um, just the way that they built their matches, the way that they built their angles to this day. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn how to book an angle, go back and watch Kaufman and Lawler. Like it is. Well, that's kind of tough because, um, as the resident, uh, Kaufman Lawler historian here, yeah. uh, Kaufman came and went rather infrequently. Yeah. You know, he wasn't there every single week. He would pop. He would send in. He would send in videos from from California, mm-hmm. basically threatening that he was going to be there at a certain date, and you know, this and this was going to happen. It was a build, right? Yeah, and then he would just show up. There wasn't a whole lot of him physically there until he was there, and he was being beat up. It, but if you go and you watch it front to back mm-hmm. without the gaps in between. Like, oh, it's a, I mean, it's a, 
Yeah, if you look at the entire, I mean, it starts with him showing up and doing what he was doing on stage, which is wrestling chicks out of the audience with Bob Zamuda's. Well, actually, Bob Zamuda wasn't the referee for the 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 Memphis stuff. Right. Uh, for people who don't know, Bob Zamuda was his writer and friend who would also uh, be Tony Clifton. He's written some pretty good. Uh, ex- uh, he's written a great book called uh, Kaufman Revealed. Yeah. That uh, delves pretty deep into the story of, of that stuff that I recommend very highly. Um, but uh, so, yeah, he started by doing the the matches uh, on Memphis where he's just fucking humiliating girls yep. and cutting those great promos about them being better in the kitchen and shit like that. Yeah. Scrubbing the carrots and peeling the potatoes and all that stuff. Then it got to uh, Foxy, that uh, gal that uh, was supposedly taking tips from Lawler and uh, what looked like she was going to have the upper hand, then Kaufman cheated. Yep, Foxy which, Brown. Yep, which caused Lawler to get involved and push Kaufman, and he <laughs> he tumbled all the way across the ring. Lawler, uh, Kaufman loses his mind, and then they proceed to agree to have a match, the two of them. Yep. From there, that's when, uh, uh, I mean, there's really only... Two moves, or maybe three moves. It was he the, gives him a backlock. Yeah, he gives him the headlock, a free headlock, and then he gives him the back body drop, and then he gives him a pile driver to get himself disqualified, and I think maybe even a second one. Yep. And then, then he was gone for a huge stretch of time. But then when he came back, when he came, it turned into, you know, I was well, wrong, what? Lawler. I was wrong, you know, I learned my lesson and then tried to build an alliance only to have I can't remember the other wrestlers that were involved. No, he 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 essentially uh offered, you know, the same amount that they offered throughout history. I will pay you $5,000 if you can put Jerry Lawler in the hospital. hospital. And it was everyone from Ken Patera yeah. to uh, all of the assassins, yeah. you know. <laughs> It Assassin was, 32. Yeah, it was everyone. And then eventually, Jimmy Hart gets in the mix because they have uh, a common enemy in, in Jerry Lawler. Then they eventually agree to get into a match with Lawler together, the two of them against Lawler. And then they... There was a boxing thing thrown in there at that's some later. point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kaufman and Jimmy Hart in this handicap match against Lawler... Uh, this is one of my favorite little stories is they're both standing in the corner and they're like, all right, well, we're, you go first. No, you go first. And then eventually they go, okay, we're going to go together on the count of three and overwhelm them. And they go one, two, three. And Hart runs across the ring and Kaufman just backs up and lets him go. And then <laughs> Hart gets beat up and then Kaufman gets beat up. And then that's that the next week on Memphis Saturday morning, TV is the greatest fucking TV segment ever. And it's where Kaufman and Hart have a bitch slap fight with Lance Russell in between them. Yes. By the way, Lance Russell, one of the best. Yeah. And it is the funniest shit I've ever seen. These two fighting each other because they're just like slapping each other. Like, yep. (laughs) It's so funny, folks. Get on YouTube and look it up. Yeah, man. And, and it's that so leads, special. Oh, yeah. 
And that leads them to go into, uh, oh, this is where Kaufman then says, you know, this $5,000 check I was going to give to someone who can cripple Lawler. Now I'm offering it to Lawler to uh, be in my corner in a match against Jimmy Hart. Yep. Lawler agrees if if Kaufman uh, will never wrestle again. And he says, sure, of course. And then turns out uh, Kaufman throws, you know, the fucking... Uh, baby powder in Lawler's face. And it was all a big swerve. And yep. they finally get the revenge on Lawler and beat the shit out of him. And it is a riotous crowd. Yeah, man. It's easy to see based on Lawler and Jarrett's booking and everyone, uh, you know, going all the way back to uh, Nick Goulas and Sputnik Monroe, how they were able to sell out this 11th, thousand seat arena every monday for god knows how many years a huge i mean they sold out 90 percent of the time for fucking well over a decade unbelievable that's why they deserve to be talked about now of course there's also bad things like they had fucking ninja turtles and beetlejuice and all kinds of stupid and, shit. but that was the, more of that stuff came later later into like the 90s you know, like moving into the 90s, that's well, when... yeah. Basically, shortly after Kaufman died in the early 80s, not that that was a uh, straw that broke the camel's back, but it, it was a, a particular moment in time where things started to go south. And it's not based on that. It really has a lot to do with the WWF. Yes. That really <laughs> turned the tide and... You know, I watched uh, Memphis Heat last night, which is a documentary that uh, I do believe you can watch on Amazon Prime. That's how I did it. Yes. Uh, for a, uh, a nominal fee. I rented it for $3. It's worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's good. You get to learn about, uh, you know, Superstar Bill Dundee and and all the, the, the history of this organization. Um, somebody, I think it's Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, just to be clear says that there's no way the territories would remain no matter what the WWE was going to do because of the internet. Yeah. They just couldn't with, or, or actually not because of the internet, but because of cable television. Yes. When you have a, a product that's made locally and now all of a sudden has a capacity to be shown all over the country, the, the best is going to survive regardless. Oh Yeah. And uh, that really is what did it for them. It is. Their ratings dropped fast. They ended up just being a developmental territory for a stretch of time. And then eventually just that was that. I mean, Lawler wasn't wrestling anymore. You know, the, the, the Jared was doing jobs and not doing jobs, but was working for the WWE for a stretch. You know, it was just a place to get, you know, the undertaker warmed up before he showed up on survivor series. Absolutely. And it's a shame too, because like there's, and I know the NWA power is trying to revitalize that format. I don't know that they're trying to revitalize it. They're trying to recreate it and they're doing it to, to great, great effect. Yes. Because that first season of NWA power is pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic, given the actual quality of talent that they have on that show. Yeah. Because, you know, there's some people on there where it's like this, you know, there's who are the tag teams, the 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 big fat brothers who just look like fucking 
bar brawlers. Couldn't tell you their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they have great talent on there. And my favorite person on that entire program, well, Eddie Kingston was on there, but like Tim Storm. Yeah. Tim Storm is in his probably early 50s and, and looks it, but is in great shape, was such a great character. Can still go. Yeah. And had great matches and a great feud with Nick Aldis for the, the championship. It was a great show of COVID really fucked them over. Well, they're they're getting ready to get back into the swing of things. Well, I uh, think they already kind of are. Yeah. But things have changed. Before they were airing their show on YouTube, and that's easily accessible by anyone and everyone. Now I think their show is on Fight TV. Yeah. And might be behind a paywall. Uh, and, it is. Uh, this is the part that's, <clears throat> pardon me, tough about modern day professional wrestling. Accessibility is so important. Yes. It's the reason why I don't regularly watch AEW because it's not really on demand unless you're willing to cough up 60 bucks for plus, the pay per view. No, for Hulu plus. Oh, that's right. Plus. right. Hulu <clears throat> Live plus, whatever it is. Because it's not just on the regular Hulu plan. It's on the Hulu Plus Live plan. And that shit's $60 for some fucking reason, because it's basically replicating a cable service. Right. So I don't have it live, and I'm normally busy on whatever nights that they're doing their show, so I just rarely watch it. Now, I try to catch it when I do, and, you know, it's decent enough when I catch it. But, you know, any time that I want, I can pull up Monday Night Raw, even if it's not Monday night or Friday night SmackDown or uh, Tuesday's NXT or any number of their fucking shows on, on Hulu, uh, Hulu plane. (laughs) Hulu Hulu regular Hulu vanilla. Yes. Uh, And uh, I, anytime I want, I can pull up uh, new Japan pro wrestling on the Roku channel. Mm -hmm. These things are easily accessible. Um, it's, it's tough out there to try to be a new kind of, uh, even though the NWA has been around technically forever, they're a new promotion. Yeah. It's tough to try to start one of these things and try to then accrue money when you have to go to sort of a third party app like Fight TV and sift through all the GCW backyard, uh, 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 pay-per-views and yes. stuff you know and it's not just that ring of honor is on there and all this kind of stuff although ring of honor is basically on every fucking channel at two in the morning yep future stars of wrestling shout out is on also on fight yeah uh we signed a deal with pluto tv as well yeah so uh, and pluto tv is free on every smart tv so yep we submitted 50 hours of content for three months so mm. you will be able to watch some future stars of wrestling on Pluto. Brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, what do you got to say? Let's wrap up about uh, Memphis. I I just really feel like if you want to get the idea of a really good format. Yeah. Um, if you want to get an idea to how and how to make a wrestling match look like a fight. If you want to get an idea of what promos used to feel like. And if you want to understand what professional wrestling used to be when it was made by professional wrestlers, I think that you should go back and watch Memphis. 
Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by TJ Fogarty and Cody Hancock with music and web production by Timothy Styles. If you're interested in booking or information on Cutthroat Cody, please go to cutthroatcody.com and follow us on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie. See you next Monday. <laughs>